Um, there's a scripture in, in 1 Peter, 1 Peter 1, 6, where he says, In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Now, what I understand Peter to say and what I understand James to say in his first chapter, count it all joy when you go through various trials, is that I don't want to take the trial away from the person. I want to enter that trial with them. I want them to understand that God uses trials to expose what we believe, to expose our faith so that he can, like uh, gold when it's refined, it's heated at high temperatures and the impurities come to the top. Well, what I find is that when I'm giving to someone and my charity is toxic, I've got some impurities in my soul. I've got some heart beliefs that really I need to address so that I can abide, abide in Christ, I can experience his wholeness, his fullness, and then love as he loved. Overflow instead of exactly. get my filling from exactly. these. From I don't need you to love me. I don't need to think that you like me when I care for you. I'm doing it because I know that Christ loves me and I know that he loves you. And so um, rolling up our sleeves and getting involved in and invested in and that's one of the things that redemptive compassion has taught me, that, that growing in Christ is, is, is a mutual, <laughs> it's a mutual. And that's why I come back to, I need community. Our neighbors need community. But in order for us to have community with our neighbors, we have to stop seeing them as I'm going to give to you, and now I'm going to feel good. That person may not give anything back. Very likely, because I understand this, because I grew up in a home that we, we couldn't put two nickels together sometimes. And it wasn't what we didn't have that hurt us. It was how we understood the lack of what we had that hurt us. And so... My father um, developed a, an alcohol problem and, and that completely controlled the atmosphere in the family. And I, I came to understand that the real need that people have is, is an identity that is not defined by poverty, an identity that is not defined by wealth, <laughs> by the ability to be able to give to someone, but an identity that is totally holy comes from Jesus Christ. Because I'm his treasure. Christ loves me. 
and it's out of that relationship. So I believe that that people very much need to have the hole in their souls addressed. And we do that not by giving people things. That will never, ever, wherever your, your treasure is, your, your heart is, that's where your treasure is going to be, right? Well, what I learned as I was growing up was I felt hopeless. I felt powerless. I felt meaningless. I felt despair. I felt lack of purpose. And I felt shame. I felt shame because when we closed the door at night, people didn't know what was happening behind the door and they thought that we were such a perfect family and we had it all together. So people didn't see the, the, my need. They didn't see the impoverishment that was there in my soul because a lot of times we don't get close enough to see that. So when I'm caring for a neighbor, I make it real clear to myself, you know, if this person responds, it's great. If they don't, it's okay too. If it takes them a week to get back to me or two weeks to get back to me, it's really all right because it's what God does in their life and in their timing. So maybe they need two more weeks to turn up the heat a little bit so that they're in the fire. But when I, when they come to me and I have the opportunity to listen to them and to love them, I'm not going to try to throw something at them. I know they have a need and we will legit legitimately meet that. People need refrigerators. They need beds. They need, those are the basic needs of life. But what the person really needs is th their identity in Christ. And that to me is where the, where the classes come in, where the loving your neighbor comes in. Because we get the opportunity to one-on-one -on -one really listen to people, to love them, to allow them to, to go into their heart and to bring out the stuff, just like for me, it was really difficult for me to admit the shame. And so I didn't, I pushed it back, you know, but I was defined by how it felt that I was being um, accepted by other people or not accepted by other people. And I, I can really resonate with people that go through uh, difficult times or poverty or have needs. But I'll tell you what, the person who has everything that they ever wanted and then some has the same need that every neighbor has. And that is to allow God when the fire is turned up into our life in community so that we can examine what we believe and have a faith that is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. And that's what keeps me in this ministry. So when I'm at the store and I'm checking someone out and they have a need, the way to their heart is through their need. And they need to know that Christ loves them and that's my opportunity to invest. And what I really believe that we, 
we need in this ministry more than anything else is one Christian coming to meet someone who has a hole in their heart and who needs to know how much Christ loves them. And we have the opportunity, like the woman at the well, she needed water and Jesus met her at the point of her need. And he told her, that need that you have, I'm the one that can meet that need. Well, I see Love, Inc. as a watering hole. And people are coming and they're not looking for water, they're looking for a refrigerator. The, but what they're really looking for the is the living water that they don't even know that they're looking for. But I, I have found that it's a long-term investment. It has required me to look into my own heart more than I ever look into somebody else's. It's an invitation for me to accept Christ's invitation that when the heat is turned up on me, I invite the Holy Spirit to show me what I'm believing that keeps me, that keeps my giving and serving and caring toxic. That I need anything else to meet that need in my, in my own life. So that's how we reverse this. That's how we change these trends in the, the church, in organizations that may, may be doing, you know, with good intentions, toxic charity. It's, it's, it's examining and going to the Lord in prayer and saying, you know, where are these places in my heart where I'm relying on somebody's uh, reaction to my, to my charity, to, for my own sense of identity. It's like, right. like we need to change the way that we see it into, you know, Christ being our identity instead of people's response every, to our charity. Every church has a mission budget. And so I'm not saying don't pay for a night in a hotel room, but get to know the person <laughs> and allow that to be the opportunity to be the connection. Because what I did was, and, and I'm, I, it's painful for me to admit this, but when I was low bucket, when I was l really low bucket, I'm not, not having what I needed in my own life, I would be much more tempted to say, sure, we'll pay for that. Yeah, good, we'll do, oh yeah, we can do that. Oh yeah, and I find something to do, but it's, it's not easy to care for people that Christ is, is wanting to visit them and they need somebody with skin on to come out and, and really care about them. You just don't know where that journey is going to take you, but it is, it, it is an, an investment that needs to be made. But mutually, there is a mutual contribution that that person, that neighbor makes to my life. And so I'm not the one that's giving them anything because I look to Christ for everything that I need. And if he fills me up, then I'm simply allowing Christ to live in me and through me. 
which is my favorite verse, Galatians 2.20, uh, that I don't live anymore. Christ lives in me. And the life I now live, I live with Christ's life in me so that he can, he can flow through me. And uh, I'm, I'm on that journey. I'm still every day learning, but I know that that's the narrow path. That is the narrow path that leads to life. For me, for, for, for the neighbor, I know that when I just try to give, the, give somebody something, um, it's not the narrow path. It's the wide path. And uh, I've just, I've learned that, taking the narrow path. So I'd rather take the narrow path with one person than take the wide path with a hundred. I'm always touched when I speak with a neighbor and that neighbor is going through all kinds of difficulty and I sense the presence of Christ, I'm always blessed because the neighbor says to me, I don't need that. If you can't give it, it's really okay because I have Jesus. And I'm like, wow. That is really what it is all about. And so how can I encourage that, that person's faith? Right now, with the people that I have talked to on calls that I've made to our neighbors, if a person in, a, in the body of Christ, a church, is willing to come out and give a neighbor a ride on a Sunday morning and be connected to that person, you could fill up a Sunday school class. Mm. That's the need. Many times the need is relational. And when the need is relational, then I have to ask myself the question, um, what does God want to change in me so that I can be his ambassador in that person's life? So there's just so many opportunities uh, but one of the things I'm thankful for is that loving practices redemptive compassion we do not want to practice toxic charity and thank God that the way to grow is to become involved in the ministry and allow God to put us in the refiner's fire to heat up heat up the gold to heat up our faith and to find out the impurities so that God can replace them with, with the truth and, and we can walk in, in the fullness of the life that he has given us.